Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 84 of the Talking Chop podcast. The end is here, and uh, yeah, it's the end is here. That's pretty much the way to put it today as we talk about the end of the 2017 season. And joining me, as usual, slash sometimes, is the great Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Uh, sad that the season is over. As always, best thing about baseball, at least in my head, is you know, you're never more than 24 hours or so out from a game, but uh, there were some good moments, certainly some some bad moments too with the season, but um, you know, just a bummer that we go about six months now without any Braves games. Yeah, such a long time. The offseason, you know, the hot stove, and we'll we'll do plenty of that in this space for sure when it happens. And uh, but for now, it's sort of that reality. If you like baseball and just the sort of as you said there, like just having the, uh, the almost constant um, drumbeat of, of baseball being on in the background, nothing else. That's going to go away. Uh, I do like baseball enough to where I will uh, dig into the playoffs. I know a lot of Braves fans kind of just just watch the Braves and probably won't watch a lot of playoff baseball. I know you and I will probably have an eye on baseball um, for the next couple of weeks as we get into the playoffs. But yeah, Braves baseball is uh, is over. It did it did end on a on a more positive note than it looked like for briefly on Sunday. Is it looked like they might lose seven in a row to end the season, but they came back. They scored four in the seventh and uh, and won a baseball game on Sunday. So that's uh, I guess it's fun to end on a high note, even though it's not that high of a note, but at least not. Go Going out with a seven-game losing streak is probably a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we were talking about it uh, over the weekend, how, you know, last September, for better or worse, the Braves won 20 of their, you know, final 30 games. And I think there was just a lot of optimism, and, and that's always fine. But um, whether or not those 20 wins in their last 30 games last year kind of uh, set the bar too high for fans and even the front office's expectations for, for 2017, um, you know, they kind of went out with a little bit, uh, less of a bang this time around, but to win the final day is nice, and and we'll touch on this in a little bit. But it also didn't really end up costing them anything in terms of a draft pick. Um, if anything, losing six out of seven to close the year uh, probably helped them, you know, move up a, a spot or two. So um, a rough final week, but it was nice to get the uh, the final win today. Yeah, for sure. And you, you, you mentioned it there. The Braves are going to be picking uh, number eight overall in the draft. Uh, there was a, a point in the season where it was looking like it was going to be uh, lower than that. It was a point in the season where it was looked like it was going to be higher than that. And they ended number eight overall, which is, you know, kind of what you felt like based on what the season looked like. I know it's a, it a frustrating season for a lot of people in that a lot of people, especially mid-season, uh, there's probably some hilarious podcasts in there where uh, where we try to downplay people, but people really thinking this is going to be a 500 team uh, as of, you know, mid-season. Uh, that obviously did not transpire as they finished 18 games under, under 500, but uh, I'm almost... 
weirdly, I don't want to say happy, but I'm I'm weirdly okay with the fact that they did not finish that strong because I think people were fooled last year. And I know we talked about it, you and I talked about it a lot. Uh, me and other people have talked about it on this podcast a lot about how people will sort of, the expectation game is, was not really managed very well at the end of last season, which is, I understand why when you win 20 or last 30 that people get really excited for the future. Uh, it's almost, you know, this year is almost more probably indicative of the future in that it sort of ended with a lot of uh, young guys playing. We'll talk about that more in a second as well. But, you know, the results were not great, but at least it's sort of uh, got to see the young guys. And it wasn't this like yeah. fluky end that sort of leads people down the wrong direction for next year. Absolutely. I think, you know, we all saw how impressive Luis Gohara was. Um, obviously, Ozzy Albies has been up for about two months now. But um, seeing him play, seeing Dancy back up, even if, if the results with him weren't as, as promising as what we would have hoped for, um, but again, it's, it's, they gave the young guys a chance to play, um, guys like Johan Camargo and Rio Ruiz were playing pretty much every day, uh, the last week or two. Um, so again, I'm with you. Um, there, there's certainly some optimism for next year. Of course, the young guys have to pan out and, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of moves coming in the off season, but, um, it was fun to see the young guys play cause no one wants to watch a bunch of veterans just kind of going through the motions for the final month or two. Uh, you know, the Braves kind of did this rebuild to, to get young and more athletic and to look, to look towards the future. Um, and we've started to see a little bit of a glimpse of that with, with the young pitchers and guys like Albies and, and Dansby uh, playing every day. Yeah, always more fun to win, but uh, I'm not upset about ha- not having to talk people off the, li- off the ledge a little bit in, in reverse in uh, October and November and December like we did sort of a year ago. And like, hey, guys, it's not going to be a 90-win team next year, I promise. <laughs> uh, so uh, it'll be a little bit easier to do that this year, I think, uh, with some of the fan base. So uh, a couple of just sort of newsy items to hit on today. Not a huge, beefy podcast. We, we just kind of just talked about this offline, uh, Scott and I, but it's not really worth doing like the full retrospective in one podcast after the fact. We've kind of been doing it for a couple of weeks now, more than anything, like kind of doing a lot of season review stuff, and that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks for sure on the podcast um, before we sort of start getting into the heavy season when it comes to the hot stove. Uh, there's some time to fill there. So we, we, not, not a ton of like digging deep, but there is some uh, new stuff to hit on. And we should say that Scott is trying to multitask and watch his uh, beloved Indianapolis Colts on Sunday Night Football as well. So God bless Scott for being here during That's football. That's right. If, if I start randomly swearing, you can probably guess <laughs> why. So, <laughs> Listen, uh, I've, done it, I've done it in the middle of the Falcons game before. It's not a lot of fun, so uh, thank you for doing this again. Um, anyway, we should get into this a little. Uh, I guess the first thing is Brian Snicker watch. We talked about it the last couple of weeks, sort of the, the will they or won't they with Snicker, but uh, Mark Bowman, good friend of the program, MLB.com uh, wrote that, that wrote this week that it, it looks like it's going to be more in the direction of Snicker coming back, but no decision is going to be made uh, as of now. At least nothing that we heard today. I was expected not. I was expecting not to hear anything, and we didn't hear anything. Um, but uh, the last thing that Bowman wrote was that the only internal candidate, those were his words, was Ron Washington, which means that Bo Porter is not really a thing anymore. And then also this week, Ken Rosenthal of uh, now of the Athletic was reporting that even if Snicker stays, they could um, there could be some movement on the bench. In terms of uh, some some of the uh, coaching staff changing places, even could be te- uh, t- Terry Pendleton or and or Eddie Perez not coming back for next year. So a lot of uncertainty right now. I know we talked about Stin a lot, but kind of where are you at with this whole thing? I know for me, I just want it to kind of be over, and I've been saying yeah. that for two weeks now. Like just make a decision, do what you're going to do. But so it sounds like you're probably in agreement with me with me there. But where are you at in general with this thing? Um, I don't think it's any secret that I would prefer for them to do somebody besides Snit. I think they've had almost two years at this point to evaluate him. They know his strengths, uh, which are, you know, he gets along with the players. The players like him. He's obviously loyal to the organization, um, and he has his weaknesses with 
kind of in-game management and bullpen handling and everything like that. Um, look, if they bring him back, I don't, I don't think it's the end of the world because let's be real next year's team, barring some kind of incredible off season in the next season turnaround is not going to be a world series contender. So how much damage can a manager really do on a team that, you know, might win 80 games or so. Um, but at the same time, I would certainly be in favor of Washington, Ron Washington, uh, even Bo Porter. I know, uh, it sounds like Washington is, is probably the leader if they get rid of Snit. Um, Bo Porter's a younger guy, someone who's at least in the past has talked of being a little more forward thinking with the way he would manage a team and with, you know, advanced stats and sabermetrics and everything like that. Um, so again, I would like them to make a decision sooner rather than later. If, if, you know, it's Sunday night right now, if they were to make a decision Monday or Tuesday, it wouldn't surprise me. I would just like to kind of get it over with so they can uh, obviously shift their gears towards addressing the roster and, and, you know, things that are truly going to have more of an impact than who's going to be on the dugout next year. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of just there. Uh, obviously I've been saying this, I think on every podcast for a couple of weeks now, but it's just time to make a decision. What's going to drive me crazy is if they don't do it tomorrow or uh, Tuesday. I'm hoping if people listen to this, it'd be nice if this was outdated and they made a decision one way or the other. Honestly, huh. uh, yeah. yeah, I mean it's going to go up right away. But if people listen to this uh, during their sort of during their workday on Monday, I'm hoping that they at least know something. Um, but there is this whole thing where the Braves in the contract do not have to pick the option up until five days after the World Series ends. So this could go on um, for another month if they wanted it to. That would be kind of crazy for me. I just don't see the upside. Like. My whole point is that you know you've known Brian Snicker for 30, 40 years. Like, what are you going to learn about Brian Snicker that you don't already know? That's my yeah. whole thing with this. Like, there's no evaluation here. This is not a guy that you're unfamiliar with. Um, you just did this with him a year ago. Um, you decided he was the guy, but then didn't give him the contract, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I will say though, on the Rob Washington front, I actually I'm with you on Bo Porter. I've said that too. I think um, pure managerial, like you know, st- you know, strategy that kind of stuff. I actually think I would be more impressed with with Porter. But like all of the reporting around the situation basically indicates that Washington is firmly ahead of Porter. Um, so I'll take that for what it's worth. I've, I've sort of heard the same thing offline in various ways. So it looks like it's going to be Washington if it's not Snicker. Uh, I'm not overwhelmed by that choice. You know, Washington did go to the World Series twice in a row with the Rangers. Um, but as we've seen, you could be a not great manager and have success like that. So I don't think that's uh, all on him. I don't think he's going to be awful if that's the case either. Um, but at the same time, like I. I think he's probably better than Brian Snicker. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe not even probably. I think he's certainly better than Brian Snicker, but that's sort of a low bar to clear for me. I, I, I like to see the, the Braves go outside the organization. It just doesn't seem like they're actually considering that. So if it's Snyder Washington, give me Washington, but just do something. And honestly, this is going to sound funny, and it's, I know it's kind of productive to a certain extent, but if, if they have Snick, Snicker back, I want them to give him a real contract. Because that was one of the one of the big things that I hated about that at the time was that they just it felt like this half in half out measure. If you're going to hire the guy, hire the guy. So like, don't just pick up his option for 2018. You got to give him a 2019. Like at least give him a two year contract, even if you have to eat it later. Like I just don't like that the situation about having your manager operate as a lame duck, and that's what he's basically been for six months now. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, either he's your guy or he's not. And I really, I'm with you. I hope that. If they do decide to bring Snit back, it's not on a one-year deal because I feel like we'll be having this exact same conversation Ooh, in May. 12 months from now. Not even yeah. 12 months. It's going to be in May yeah. or June when they lose five in a row. It's like, oh, is Snit going to be gone tomorrow? Like, I, I don't want to do that again. Like, even if it's, even if he's bad, like, I don't think he's a good manager. But like, I just don't want to have the will yeah. they or won't they again. I just, I can't, I can't handle that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, hopefully, within you know 24, 48 hours from now, we'll have a, a better idea of who's going to be running the show. 
Yeah, real quick on that. Do, do you think uh, do you think it matters too much if they, you know, if they if they bring Steph back but then change the coaching staff? Does that actually have an effect anywhere? You know, Pendleton and Perez are the two big names, and those are the guys that Rosenthal mentioned uh, by name. You know, those are guys who are like almost not Braves lifers, but they've been around for a long time. You know, Pendleton was an MVP. Yeah. Um, is it would it ruffle any feathers for anyone? I don't think you and I necessarily care, but is that sort of a risky move maybe to move on from one of those guys or both of those guys? <laughs> Uh, it, you know, it's truly, it's one of those things where if you're not in the clubhouse, it's probably hard to say, you know, definitively, um, if the Braves lost Teddy, uh, uh, Eddie Perez, do I think they would really feel the impact? I, I can't <laughs> imagine they would, you know, I mean, the guy's kind of been around forever and he was Greg Maddox's catcher and, and, uh, he, he's what bench coach now. And, and I, I just can't imagine it would be now who knows, maybe you ask five players on the team and they would all go, Oh my God things would fall apart without Eddie here. Um, but I, I can't imagine one of those two guys or even both those guys going would have any kind of great impact on, you know, either behind the scenes or the on-field product. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I just thought it was at least worth mentioning because, you know, the players have gone to bat for Snicker. That clearly has mattered because I am a, a firm belief that uh, I, I don't know if they would have not given him sniff, sniff the job uh, in September, but I'm, I'm a firm belief that if Freddie Freeman wasn't on record multiple times saying, I want Brian Snicker to be my manager – he would not be the manager. Uh, I'm not sure how much that yeah. matters, but it matters to it matters enough where I think that's if nothing else, it's a tiebreaker that if you go to your franchise player, and it's not just Freddie, but he's the most prominent name by far. Um, I think Snicker would not be the manager even right now uh, if that was not the case. So uh, yeah. they they clearly care about the clubhouse stuff, which is fine. They should. I mean, being clubhouse uh, having clubhouse in order was always important. You know, Bobby Cox was never the greatest strategic manager in the world, but everybody loved him. That does matter. I mean. That's I will not crap on that. I mean, there's the there's the pure analytic guys who just don't care about that at all. I I do think it matters. I just don't think it matters more than being a strategic a strategic manager. That's my whole thing. So you know, mm-hmm. Snit, Snit's beloved. Everybody loves Snit. You know, the media likes Snit a lot. Like I people that I know that cover the team every every single day in the clubhouse. Everybody likes Snit as a guy. So it's not like I'm rooting against him individually. It's just one of those things where they could do better in my opinion, and that's kind of where we are at this point. Uh, and we'll show something on that. We can, we can move on to uh, <laughs> other things, and we talked about Snit a ton. So, uh, next thing on the agenda, I suppose, is R.A. Dickey uh, giving up uh, his final start of the year. It was going to be he was supposed to start actually on Sunday in the rotation. And he did not do that, and the Braves were cool with that. It seemed, but uh, it seems like he might be leaning towards retirement. He's not said that, but in an interview we'll talk about in a second with John Coppolello, who talked to ESPN a lot. He referenced the fact that Dickey's sort of taking his time. A lot of the quotes that are out there with R. Dickey is like he's going to talk to his family. Um, I, I'm not sure I've asked you yet. I think I've asked a couple other people on the podcast, but um, if Dickey wants to pitch, would you pick up his option for next year? Uh, boy, it's close. It's, I a know. Good, it's a good question. Yeah. And it's not usually, you You know, it's one way or the other. I would say that if they brought him back, he's, he's owed $8 million for next year on a one year deal. So it's not as if they're committing themselves to him for, you know, two or three seasons. Look, if they want to bring him back to be the fifth starter and just kind of a rubber arm at the back end of the rotation as the young guys inevitably take their lumps, I'm fine with it. If they, if Dickey says he wants to come back and the Braves say they don't want to, then I would say then all the better. You know, thanks for the solid season. And um, and if you know, and if if Dickey just wants to retire and hang him up, um, you know, he's, he certainly earned some rest after you know nearly 20 years of pitching in the big leagues. So. I can go either way. If he's on the team for 2018, I'm sure you can pencil him in for another 150, 180 innings. Um, he, he's not going to be an ace, but he's also uh, not going to get booed off the mound every time he goes out. 
Um, so I, I truly think it's pretty 50-50 at this point. Um, and we'll have to see what uh, what Dickie decides to do, you know, as he talks with his family, as you mentioned, um, and just kind of weighs the, you know, pros and cons of coming back. Yeah, he's made a bunch of money. You you never want to tell the guy to leave eight million on the table. Like, I mean, I know he's made I know he's made a lot of money in his career, but you know, eight million is eight million. You know, you don't you don't often see guys walk away from that kind of money. Um, but maybe he will. We'll see. Um, I, I'd be cool either way. It's one of those things, kind of like what you said. I talked about this before. I'm pretty sure. But uh, even if he's if, even if he's just in the rotation at the beginning of the year, like with the plan to phase him out into a long relief role, that's fine yeah. for eight million. Like I don't mind that at all. Like if it's like. I, I'd be pretty surprised if they went into the season next year without a single veteran starter. Uh, if, yes, uh, you know Julio. Julio, if Julio I guess Julio is a veteran starter at this point, but if he's, I'd be pretty surprised if he was the oldest guy in the rotation next year. I will say that on opening day, that that might change midseason, um, and we'll talk about that here here in a second again. But if it's not Dickey, I'm 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 pretty sure they're going to try to at least sign or trade for somebody else. So you know, if you get the guy for one year, it's probably worth it because uh, you know, short of getting a top tier guy, you probably don't want to lock up guys for long term money in that sort of mid to low um, rotation spot because normally that money gets pretty reckless um so yeah it's there's some value to have an R.I. Dickey out there even just to eat innings on a team that uh I think will be better next year but still I'd be pretty shocked if this is a World Series contender in 2018 I know that we'll get accused of being too negative um but it's it's really a it's hard for me to see a path at least a reasonable path for this team to jump from 72 wins to 92 wins I think they could certainly win in the 80s next year depending on what they do but like, yeah. I have a hard time seeing this team like being a, a contender with the Nationals for the division, if that makes sense, next year. In the future, yeah. the, the future super bright, but 2018, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. I just don't, I don't really see that being in the cards. Yeah, on the roster front, you touched on it a little bit. I think we were talking today about, and, and again, we'll talk about Copy's interview with Buster only, but about letting the kids play versus bringing in a veteran or two. I really, if, if Dickie retires, I can't imagine they're not going to add somebody, especially for this front office that is really set for three years. You know, yeah, we're rebuilding, but we want to stay competitive. We want to win some games. I can't imagine they're going to go into next year with, you know, 27 year old Julio Tehran as the, you know, as the elder statesman of the rotation. I mean, they certainly could. It's just one of those things where I'd be surprised. Uh, yeah. I mean, Co- and we'll, let's just talk about it now. You know, Copy did this interview with Buster Olney that was uh, interesting. It's about 10 minutes long. I would encourage you guys to find it and listen to it. But we'll kind of run down what he basically said uh, on the podcast. We could talk about the pitching right now since that was sort of where we were, where, where we were at. But uh, he mentioned uh, Tehran, Gohara. Is it Joe Hart? I don't know. One of those. <laughs> we, we know who we're talking <laughs> about. Uh, Fultonavich and Sean Big Newcomb. Sexy. Yes, yeah. big sexy uh, Luis. Uh, as those those four guys as li- as likely rotation pieces. That's not breaking news by any means. Unless unless those guys are traded, I have a hard time thinking that they won't be in the rotation next year. So that's not a huge thing. But um, he, meant, he 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 did mention Lucas Sims sort of in passing as another option. Uh, obviously, this is all in the context of Ari Dickey as well. And he and Copy did say on the record that, and I quote, there was a uh, that that they that they might end up going with the kids. Um, meaning that I guess Tehran would be the older oldest guy there. You and I, I guess we, we, we both just said that we don't see that happening. But it's at least possible they would do that. But those four guys seem to be the most likely, and then we'll see if they decide to go outside the organization. Uh, I'd be honestly, let me say this now: I, I would be shocked if it's those four guys and Lucas Sims on opening day. I'll say that if they don't yeah, go outside the organization, like maybe they, maybe they, maybe one of the young guys just blows up in spring training. You know, you're uh, the super young guys, but I, I just. I cannot see a scenario where they go in with those four and Lucas Sims as the opening rotation in 2018. Maybe I'm nuts, but I just don't see that. 
Yeah, I was looking similar to the, you know, Jaime Garcia is kind of the obvious uh, guy here that what they did a year ago with Jaime is something I could see him doing again. Um, if you look at the free agent starters for, you know, next winter, um, who could be fits? Someone like J.A. Happ is, is somebody who I've, I think I've tweeted about a couple times. Yeah, his name's pretty, his name out there a lot. Yeah, I kind of mentioned him. And, you know, you look at that division. Now, who knows what the Blue Jays are thinking, but if you look at that division, are the Blue Jays better than the Red Sox next year? Probably not. Are they better than the Yankees next year? Probably not. Uh, I think they actually finished behind both the Orioles and the Rays this year. So, you know, if the Braves are truly trying to make a push at a wild card team, or at least putting together a team on paper that could push for a wild card, uh, maybe someone like Cap, who's only signed uh, through 2018, would make sense. Um, again, uh, you know, kind of an opposite on the spectrum of, of a good team, but old friend Charlie Morton is a free agent next winter. Um, who knows if the Astros will be open to moving him. So, again, there's always uh, the veteran pitchers, too. Uh, maybe a, a more of a veteran starting pitcher hits the free agent market and there's not much of a market for him. Um, you know, and he takes a one year deal to try to rebuild some of his, his value, maybe like an Andrew Kashner or someone like that. Um, so I think there, there's plenty of options out there. I know um, I think you can only take so much away from an interview with a GM uh, towards the, the end of September, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, they haven't been afraid to get creative either. So uh, maybe flipping a bad contract or something like that could be on the cards as well. Yeah, I mean, and he did talk about some other stuff we should get to, but the rotation, I think, is always just super interesting because it's more projectable. But uh, Copy, something that I jumped out to, jumped out to me was that uh, he mentioned that the Braves need to add some veteran players for 2018 that are, quote, just better than what we have right now. Uh, pretty pretty frank from Copy to say that because it's true. Uh, there's some spots, like, I think he understands this is not, this is not a contending roster right now, even if you know you understand what the youth movement means but if they want to be good next year and i'm sure they at least want to fake it like they're going to be good next year i think they probably want to be good next year they they have to add some veterans you can't just go full you know it's i'm not saying you can't necessarily but it, it's not the greatest strategy to win games in 2018 to go just super young across the board there are a couple of vets that are already around, but uh, he mentioned the bullpen specifically as a spot to add one or two quote-unquote real guys to pitch in high leverage spots. I don't love investing real money and resources in that bullpen, uh, honestly, just because it's kind of volatile, but it speaks to the fact that Copy understands how bad the bullpen was this year because it was not good top to bottom yeah. from start to finish. And uh, you can, you know, you can be... You can paper over a lot if your bullpen is good, and I think they were hoping the bullpen would be a strength this year uh, to paper over, over some things. Ended up being, you know, arguably the biggest weakness on the roster. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when he says they need to add bullpen if that means they're going to try to sign uh, Wade Davis for a ninety million dollar deal, or oh. if they're going to try to locate. You know, I think uh, one of the the Orioles relievers was kind of mentioned just before the deadline. I think it was Britain. Um, someone who's you know around for another year or two and could probably be had for a reasonable amount of, of money um, or for in terms of prospects and is owed a reasonable amount of money. So I would certainly rather dip into the prospect pool than to give a big old contract out. Um, but again, as you mentioned, uh, the bullpen was clearly a weakness for the team. And even if you expect guys like A.J. Minter to you know last a full year next year and be really good, uh, they certainly need to add. I just hope it's not a you know a five year deal worth eighty ninety million bucks. Yeah, I would hope, and uh, you know, honestly, based on this uh, front office and sort of reputation of the Braves in general, I'd be surprised if they did that. But it'd be awful if they did that. Please do not do that. If you're, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, just as a reference point, the Braves finished the year twenty uh, sixth in bullpen ERA at four point six zero. 
Um, sort of in the same range as the other teams at the bottom. Aside from the Tigers, just as a sidebar, the Tigers finished with a 5.63 bullpen ERA. Oof. Holy that, uh, that was almost a full run worse than anybody else in the league. That's un- that's incomprehensibly bad. Just as a reference point, I, I looked it up as, as we were talking. I was I just I looked like a misprint how bad that was. So, shouts to the Tigers. <laughs> I know a lot of wow. Tigers fans because I'm a Michigan fan. Anyway, that's uh, that's brutal. Uh, I think uh, Grant McCauley of over for the Giants blog today, and of course the. Uh, Tigers ended up beating the Giants. Well, you mean by, Grant Brisby? <laughs> or yeah, not McCauley. I love Grant uh, McCauley. Shouts to Grant McCauley. Yeah, but Brisby uh, was saying uh, that the Tigers needed to go something like six and twenty-eight over their final uh, what is that thirty-four games in order to get the number one pick, and they went six and twenty-eight to get the number one pick over over the Giants. Incredible. Um, I mean, and I, I was actually talking to JJ Cooper the other day, and. He said that in 2015, when the Braves absolutely collapsed in the second half, even they weren't even close to like six and 28. Over, um, it's pretty unfathomable to think they won basically six games in six weeks. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, we, we feel as you kind of mentioned that 2015 was uh, a lot like that. Um, but to think it would be worse than that, I just I mean that was. 2015 was probably the least fun I've ever had as a Braves fan um, for a while. Um, they were in the second half of the season, so just thinking about how what, anything that's worse than that is not, not not exactly something that would be a lot of fun to monitor. Um, aside from that, <laughs> in that uh, interview from Cobb, that's kind of those are the big takeaways. He did talk about an up and down year from Swanson, which is not a surprise, and that uh, he also said that there was a sort of a that, that a trade was more likely in the corner outfield spots than actually signing somebody. That's not a shock because you know signing over guys that you were paying a lot of money isn't going to happen, but trades certainly could happen. And he also did say, and sort of doubling down, like he he was pretty frank in saying that look, they were disappointed for this year on the results, but like he did also make the I don't want to say excuse. It's really it's really kind of accurate, and that they uh, in the rebuild, it's always been sort of a long term focus, and that they've gone high school in the draft. Uh, and if you go high school guys, you know their first draft was 2015. If you go high school guys, those guys are still you know 19, 20, 21 years old even yeah. now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, they've been inconsistent and I'll, I'll be the first to say that I've killed them for it uh, on this podcast and just kind of the, uh, the parallel path stuff where they were trying to be respectable and wasting money as a result, i.e. Nick Marcakis. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where at least it does make sense to me that like, you know, you have to remember that this was supposed to be a long-term rebuild. Like nobody likes to rebuild in a long, in a long-term fashion. You know, I, I host an Atlanta Hawks podcast, do a lot of Atlanta Hawks work. They're starting this in the NBA and nobody's excited about it. I, I get why. Um, but if you're going to do it right, it takes a long time. Even, you know, the Cubs and the Astros took a long time. Um, yeah. They were really, really, really bad. Like they were worse than this for a long time. And it's Yeah, like, it took four years of the Astros being just god-awful before – like they way worse than team. this. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. And this has been, you know, 72 and 90 is not fun, but um, this team was at least, you know, flirting with 500 into, what, July? Um, this yeah. is not, like, it wasn't like this is, was a disaster from moment one in 2017. Uh, some of those Astros and Cubs teams were, like, on Yeah, they lost, a hundred, yeah, like the Astros lost 108 games that one year. Like, yeah. one of the worst teams ever. And they did it right. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, it's not. I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to lose 108 games, but like they they did the real, like we're really gonna not care. We're gonna really blow it up and look to the future. They didn't try to fake it. And, and I understand why the Braves did it. Look, they're opening a new ballpark this year, especially. You know, Marquez was is by all accounts a great locker room guy. Like he's not the only one they invested in. By the way, he's just the easiest target because he was the first guy they signed to the four year deal that made no sense at the time. It was one of those things like, hey guys, we're gonna rebuild. Oh, we're also gonna send in Marquez in four years. 
it's like, well, which one do you want to do? And yeah, uh, you know, yeah. the Matt Kemp thing was to save face, and that's the, that's money that they're that, that they've spent. They did a, they did a lot of this stuff, you know. Some of some of which I liked, you know, R.A. Dickey this year, Bartolo Colon this year, I didn't mind all those things to make your roster look better. Um, some of them work, some of them don't. But uh, just as a reminder to race fans, the teams that it actually worked for actually really, really, really bottomed out. So it's coming. I think I think 2018, as I said before, we'll have plenty of time to preview it. But it's going to be better, I think, than 2017. It's just uh, it's not fun to preach patience, but you kind of have to. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a long grind. It's not. You know, as GM or coach, because it is, it's, you know, you don't get overnight magic and, and it is. Fortunately, I think we are kind of on the back end of, of the rebuild, Hopefully, um, at least <laughs> as far as the prospects go. Now, them panning out and everything, of course, is a whole different ball game. But um, we will, we will uh, I think, enjoy the seasons to come more than certainly. I think the next three years are going to be far more enjoyable than the past three years were. Yeah, and uh, I know. I mean, I, I know, I, especially me. I, I I get painted as being too negative, and I, I understand it. You know, fans want to be optimistic inherently, and that's kind of not how I approach this all the time. I'd like the Braves to be good. That'd be great if they were. Um, but at the end of the day, like we were actually too high coming into the year. How as funny yeah. as that is, as funny as I, I know, like I, I we got we got we got trashed. I know you and I both did uh, for our preseason predictions, and we ended up being you know four or five games too high. So, yeah, people tweet me. People tweet me all the time saying, <laughs> "Like I'm this negative a hole," and it's like, if the team was winning 90 games every year and I was being this negative a hole, it's one thing. <laughs> you know, there, there's more bad than good at least the last three years. But again, thankfully, the next couple seasons should be a lot more fun. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my 76 and 86 prediction did not end up being right, but. Uh, I could take solace, and I will always use that now moving forward to say, "Look, guys, I was too high in 2017." <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, stop I, being stop being a homer. Yeah, I gotta stop being a homer. That's exactly what it is. Um, before I let you go, before I let you go, a couple of mailbag questions that I thought were interesting that we got, and then I'll let you get out of here. Uh, first one from Dalton Alfrey, and he asked, "What are the chances that Johan Camargo is the opening day third baseman?" next year we talked about third base a lot but that's actually not a scenario that we've talked a ton about just them yeah. like turning and saying all right johan it's your it's your job if to put a percentage on it i would say maybe 20 percent. if I, I think of all the and if you listen again if you listen to copy's interview with buster only and who knows how much of that is gm speak and how much of it is more of the truth but it, you know he talked about upgrading the roster and i think if there's an obvious spot to upgrade that you can upgrade given just kind of the current roster status is third base you're not tied down to a big contract there you don't really have to move anybody um now there are so few good third basemen out there who are one either signable or you know or on the trade market so i would think third base is if the braves were to make a move to acquire a hitter third base is kind of the obvious position to do it at will they be able to i'm not sure um you know going into next year with camargo as the opening day third baseman and maybe uh you know spicing in a little bit of with uh, rio you know once every third fourth day it's not ideal i can't imagine that's going to be a great pair but uh, if there are truly no options out there and they don't want to commit to either a bad contract or overpaying for a third baseman um it probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, though it certainly wouldn't be an optimal uh, way to go into the year. Yeah, I mean, the way that he put the question, it was, uh, you can do the literal interpretation as to him starting on opening day. That wouldn't blow me away. Um, but him being an everyday guy at third base would blow me away, if that makes sense. Like, I yeah, think yeah. I think if they went with a, with, with a platoon of Camargo and Ruiz, that would not surprise me. 
Um, I probably wouldn't do that, but I understand like kind of what you said. Like nothing else is out there. Um, if you want to go with some combination of Garcia, Camargo, and Ruiz, that's you know that's kind of what you have. But uh, I, I I certainly would not look at Camargo and say you're the guy. You know, even five six days a week versus even every day. Um, I would not do that. But you know, they could. I don't. Maybe they believe. In fact, I know they believe in him more than I do. It's just one of those things where. I think Camargo's, you know, one of his primary values is that he can kind of do a lot of things for you. And sure. having, have, having him be your everyday third baseman with his relative lack of power and that kind of stuff, I don't think that's his best spot. Um, so that's just me. But I think you're right. It's, it certainly could happen. And it's, it's an interesting question, to at least to ponder. Um, last thing, uh, this is, I thought this was a very interesting question. So that's what I wanted to add. This was my first, this is my number one pick in terms of questions. So shouts to this guy. <laughs> uh, from at, uh, from FSU Brad on Twitter. Good name as well. Um, if Matt Kemp was a free agent this summer, see, sorry, this winter seeking a two year deal, approximately what could he get on the open market? And that was the question. So it was a great question. I, I, I will say in my question to you, Scott, uh, Throwing, throwing, and sort of how 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 it would be effective, ver- like American League versus National League, because yeah, obviously yeah. National League where the Braves play, his value is even lower because he's so bad yeah. on defense. Oh, so, I don't think a National League team would even try to sign him if he were a free I, agent. I'm kind of with you, and, and really the way that he, the reason why he's asking the question is, um, and you know, this sort of this, it was a long explanation and shots to him again, um, was basically to figure out like how much the Braves can justify just holding on to him. Um, oh, it's, yeah. ba- it's basically how much would he make? Here's what the Braves are paying him. How big is that gap? And I think yeah, because he's what 18 million next year in 2019. Is that right? What they owe him? Yeah, he's actually making more than that. But what's it's about? That's about what they owe him. It's one of those things where you know he's still got money being paid by other teams, and it's yeah, it's a sure. rough spot because the National League thing is really important because if he's just yeah. on the market, an American League team with a DH spot could certainly look in that camp. But yeah, the Braves yeah. are not that, so it's tough. I mean, to answer the to answer FSU Brad's question, I would guess an Amer- I could see an American League team in need of a DH and an occasional left fielder doing like two years, eighteen million or like eighteen million total, so nine, ten million annually. I could see something in that range. I can't imagine, given his age and just kind of health concerns, he get he would get more than a two year deal. Um, so yeah, like two years, twenty million total. Two years, twenty, like you know, in that nine to eleven million dollar annually range would be my guess. What about you? Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I, it's worth noting that um, according to both Baseball Reference and Fangraphs, he was a sub replacement level player this year. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the great majority of that is defensive issues, and uh, you know, in American League as a DH, then that makes some sense because you know, offensively. If you just look at his numbers, there were some there were some hot and cold streets this year, but you know he still he still finished the year with a 781 OPS. That's yeah. not great, but if you're gonna you know a lot of that's just his OBP slipping down, but you know he still slugged 463 like and hit 19 home runs and 467 mm. plate appearances. Yeah. Like if you just think that's a real number, like we'll, we'll just say like if he's an 800 OPS guy as a DH, that's super valuable. Um, but if he has to play defense, like honestly. Yeah. If you if you told me he was banned from signing in the American League and had to sign in the National League, would he get five million a year? I don't think. He yeah, would. that's it's a good question. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure somebody would talk themselves into it. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those yeah. things where I'm sure some team would say, "All right, we could fix Matt Kemp and hide him on defense or have him play first base or like something yeah, sure. wild." But throwing in the fact that the Braves can't play him at first base, 
like that makes it even harder because if, if the Braves had this open spot, like if for instance they they said, all right, Freddie Freeman's really going to play third full time, <laughs> which I would not do. I'm just yeah, saying, as a, for instance, if they suddenly yeah. had a first base opening, Matt Kemp has maybe a little more value because he'd be bad there, but like a lot of guys are bad there, and maybe you could like sort of hide him and Matt Adams and do a platoon. I don't know. It's I'm just I'm thinking on my feet now, but I'm not sure that he would even be worth five million a year in the national league and he's making you know upwards of 20 it's tough yeah i could see it yeah i could see maybe a two-year 10 million dollar option or even just a one-year five million from a national league team he's he is an american league player at this point you know in hindsight you wish the braves would have just eaten hector Oliveira's deal and not complicated it with matt kemp i think what was it they're paying an extra like 10 million dollars a year for kemp or 12 million dollars a year when you take out what Oliveira would have been getting paid um, which is not great. I wouldn't give Matt Kemp ten million dollars a year personally if he was on the market. And the That's Braves the big thing. Like, so yeah, people yeah. want people. I mean, there's this narrative. There's this narrative out there, and I understand why because Matt Kemp, especially when he's hot, is very fun. Because like, if he's locked in, there's like he'll go a month and have a thousand OPS, and it's like, yeah, that's. Like I can really hit, but like, so there's this narrative out there where it's like, well, he's he's certainly worth the difference in what they what what they were paying Oliveira. It's like, no, he's not. He's he's not worth the difference in that money. And I, I understood it, what, at least what they were doing at the time. I didn't love it even when they did it. I understood why, you know, just having Oliveira. Just there there is the optics thing of just having a guy you're paying to go away. That's not great. Like to have him just not be irresponsible anymore. I, I understand all of that. But you know, taking on that contract is gonna bite them, and it already has, and it's gonna to continue to bite them. Even if they get rid of Kemp somehow, if they can somehow you know get off that get off, get off a lot of that deal, it's still gonna be biting them for two more years. And yeah. that's just the reality of it. Because you know, as we saw this year, like it's, it wasn't like Kemp was a, was a mess at the plate. Like he wasn't great, but you know, a nearly an 800 OPS, and you're still a sub replacement level player. Ooh, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's tough. It's I mean. Even if you just don't care about defense at all, like there and there are Braves fans that really don't care and don't buy into war or any of that stuff. You could just watch him with your eyes. Like he's one of those guys in left field where like you can tell. It's not yeah. like this there's not a whole lot of nuance to say, look, he's you know, you may not buy all the defensive stuff, but if you just acknowledge with your eyes that he's giving some runs back defensively. Yeah. You know, I think in I think 2018 because Kemp signed for two more years. Yep. 2018, if they're going to run him out there for 100 and you know 30 games or whatever his hamstrings can hold up for, that's fine as long as they get rid of Markakis, which will be far easier to do. I'm fine with that. My hope is if a deal comes along to significantly improve left field, I hope they don't let you know the remaining X dollars and however many years or months on Kemp's deal hold them back from, you know, upgrading left field. And if that means they have to sit Kemp on the bench for three months, so be it. I, I really hope that this this trade, and they knew the risk going whenever they traded for Kemp for, you know, with Oliveira, um, I hope it doesn't prevent them from being able to make a move or, you know, to promote a prospect uh, because of the money he's owed. Because I, I really, you hate when money influences what a team does or doesn't do. Yeah, and it's gonna. I mean, it, it is what it yeah, is, but it's just it's the reality. It's especially when you have a uh, an ownership group that is uh, definitely more invested in the bottom line than anything else. That's you know they bought the team as an investment. It's not a it's not a one person owner that's uh, really trying to win. Obviously, Liberty Media would like to win, but it's not like they have Mark Cuban or they have Ted Turner or whoever else that um, you know singly focused on winning. So 
yeah, it's going to be tough, but uh, I thought it was an interesting question just to kind of think about and walk through. I think I know you and I think about this kind of stuff all the time. I'm not sure a lot of Braves fans really kind of just, you know, in a vacuum like that, just think about how simply that kind of that math works and that thought process works. And, you know, I think <laughs> there's no scenario in which he would be making eight figures in the National League. I can tell you that with, a con- with yeah. confidence. We can, yeah. we, can, we can argue about five million, but uh, he would <laughs> not be getting 10 million a year in the National League. We can, we can agree on that, I think. Yep. Uh, well, Scott, I appreciate it, man. We, uh, of course, go longer than we thought we were going to go. That's what happens on this podcast when you and I talk. But uh, anything you want to plug and get out there? I know it's sort of the dead period now, but we'll, have, we'll still have plenty of stuff on Talking Chop. I know you've, you and I have both written some stuff, and we'll write some stuff. But anything you want to get out there, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, it's obviously some playoff coverage. And then once the you know the season wraps up, we'll have all the player uh, kind of look backs and look aheads for all the positions and um, and to kind of look at, I actually tweeted earlier today, uh, I, I thought to myself this afternoon, who was the Braves' pitching MVP in yes. 2017? And I, I legit, like, I legitimately kind of chuckled afterwards because I think the answer is either R.A. Dickey or Mike Fultonevich, and that's kind of scary. Since um, neither of them had a sub-4 ERA, so yeah. Right, yeah, it, it was, yeah, so... Uh, but no, lots of good stuff. I guess we can end on uh, what's your World Series prediction, Brad? Oh man, um, ooh, I have not thought about. It. Do, you, do you already have one? Because I'm now I'm going to think about it for a second. So if you have one, please. please I go have. Ahead. I'm going to go because I think. I mean, playoffs are always weird. I'm going to go Indians, and I'm going to go with the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's I such think, a ho- you're a homer, homer. I know, living out here, but. I mean, the lineup is good, and all the National League teams kind of have problems. Like, the Dodgers were so great for so long and have really kind of scuffled over the last six weeks. And they've the they've Packs, sneaky bounced back, though, at the end. Yeah, they did. I mean, and obviously I'm not, you know, I'm, I, this is all for fun here. You know, whenever the Diamondbacks lose on Wednesday night, I hope everyone doesn't <laughs> email me and go, you big idiot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think they have a lineup that can score on anybody, um, they have a, a strong starting rotation. I think it, with adjusted metrics, it's probably uh, the best in the National League this year, even better than Washington's. But if you look at the Dodgers, they were kind of up and down. Uh, the Cubs have really struggled to pitch all year, and everybody knows uh, that Washington Nationals have the same number of playoff wins as the Braves do uh, over the last decade. So uh, my dark horse, and I think the Indians, it was their year last year, and they just kind of uh, weren't ready for the big moment. Fell, fell short, of course, to the Cubbies. Um, but I'll say the Indians win. Uh, I'll go Indians in five over the Diamondbacks. Ooh, five. That's that's nice. I like that. A little extra flair at the end. Look, the Indians, uh, I mean, it's kind of hilarious because the Dodgers won 104 games. The Indians outscored the Dodgers by uh, – the, the Indians' run differential is 254, uh, which yeah. was 60 runs better than the Dodgers, which is – that's a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, so – I'll say the Indians in the American League. I will take the Nats out of the National Ugh. League, in part to be yeah. a reverse jinx more than anything. Um, That's probably the smart pick, but I would absolutely hate to see them win. Well, uh, honestly, the smart pick, in my opinion, is Indians-Dodgers, because I think I still believe in the Dodgers, frankly. Um, I think, um, not that it was good for them to sort of bottom out the way they did, but uh, them winning you know, 112 would have been... Uh, which is what they were going to do. They would have won. If they had not just fallen off a cliff, they would have won in the 110-plus range. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I will take uh, – I'll go Indians, Nats, and I'll, I'm taking the Indians to win as well. Um, I, I feel like we shouldn't tie on this one. But, yeah, I, 
the Indians are the only pick. They're the, they've been the best team in the league. Um, so I'm I'm taking them. Um, and I'll say Indians in six. And I'll say this: if Max Scherzer is not healthy, and I know there's the reports came out today that he just tweaked his hamstring, and he's actually fine. If he's not healthy, then uh, I would run, 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 run away from this pick because uh, they need him yeah, sure. badly. Yeah. Um, but uh, if he, I'm going to assume that they're telling the truth and he's okay, and uh, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, I mean, none of those. I'll say this: the, the World Series champion being someone other than the than the Nats, Dodgers, Indians, and Astros would surprise me. Um, but it's baseball. Who cares? I mean, right. like, wild, yeah, wild things happen. It'll be like- It'll be Twins and Rockies in the World Series, and we're all going to kind of laugh. I mean, if the Cubs won the World Series, I wouldn't be surprised. I guess. Just yeah. The Cubs. Yeah. The Cubs are only ninety-two and seventy, but they're better than that, and everybody everybody kind of knows it. Like they've been a sleeping yeah. giant all year. They finally, you know, they were really bad for like two months, and then since then they're like they've been like a hundred win team. They're really yeah, good, I mean, man. I, I wouldn't want to play the Cubs. No I mean, one would, and that's the thing. I think everyone knows that. You don't want to play the clubs. Uh, you don't want to play the Dodgers. You don't want to play the. I and mean, there's these teams that I think I, you know, the Astros are my least favorite of all those teams, and I like them a lot. I'm I'm, I'm going to be rooting for the Astros, but the, the pitching just scares me. I mean, Verlander's been great, but uh, it's the pitching scares me in Houston. So yeah. Well, all that's probably too much World Series talk for people that don't care. But we did, we did it at the, we did it at the end of the podcast, so we're allowed. It's fine. That's right. Yeah. When that's it actually right. comes, when the World Series actually comes, we'll actually have to pick the series. We'll be probably a little bit. We might look smarter then, because uh, I'm sure <laughs> someone's going to go uh, wildly wrong. Like your like your D backs pick. If they lose on Wednesday, then all all bets are off for you. So I want yeah, I, I want super safe, and you didn't, which is I appreciate that. They'll be losing six nothing in the second inning, and I'm going to go. Oh, good pick, Scott. Is it is it is this a good time to rant about the one game playoff? Because I hate the one game playoff. Uh, we could the worst. probably talk for three hours, but uh, yeah, the worst I, thing ever conceived. I will say this: former uh, former talking shop head and uh, friend of ours, Ben Deronio, has a great idea. At least I think it's a great idea that uh, the lower seeded team should have to win. It should be a doubleheader, and the lower seed, lower seed team should have to win twice. Mm, I like that. I love that idea. I don't know where he got it from. I think he got it from soccer somewhere or something. I remember him talking about it at some point. But I think if you are I mean, the obvious example was the first year in the Braves. Well, I believe they were six, were six games better, and then lost a one-game playoff to a team mm-hmm. that was six games better than. That there's that that's obviously just wrong. Like make them at least make them lose twice. Like do something different, or like make it two nothing. I don't know. I, I kind of hate that, but like make it like two nothing in the game before it starts. Like something yeah, I think unfair. this is. I think this is the fifth year that uh, this is the fifth year they've had the wild card, and I think the underdog team it's five hundred. Like Which they've is, been that's split, wrong. Even, Why? Yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be that. It's just, I mean, home field is not a thing in baseball enough for it to, that to be the only thing that's different. Like, I right? Just, it's just not enough. I, I know home field matters in some places, but like, it's baseball. It's, it's it, it, like the, the starting pitcher means, matters a whole lot more than, than home field. And it's not yeah. like it's a college basketball game where it's like a seven point swing for home field. Like. Oh. Don't mention college basketball. Oh, we're getting, we're getting there. I, we'll do, I was going to – yeah, I'm not going to ask you about that online. We'll, we'll talk about that offline. But <laughs> anyway, well, thanks, Scott. We can talk forever, but I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again very soon. You're uh, always on the speed dial, so I appreciate it. Of course, man. As for everybody else, uh, I will not say that, we'll, that, we'll, that we're going to be here every single week between now and uh, April, but we'll be here most of the time, and I will try to warn you guys that we're not going to have shows. So we should have one this week, and uh, with all that to say, thanks for listening. Subscribe. Tell all your friends. TalkingShop.com does not go away in the offseason. We promise we'll have fresh content all the time on the Braves and other stuff. And uh, join us there, and thanks for listening. As always, we'll see you guys next week.